You're listening to Trivia Time, the podcast quiz show. Each week, we will be bringing you a pub quiz style program with five rounds of varying themes consisting of eight questions each. We also start every episode with a bonus anagram, which will be due at the end of the episode after the answers for round five. If you'd like, we have a PDF scoring sheet available at our website, TriviaTimePodcast.com, which you can use as you answer along. Each correct answer will be worth one point unless specified otherwise. Get together with your trivia team or play solo, at home, or on the go, because it's trivia time. Welcome to episode 14 of Trivia Time, the podcast quiz show. I'm your host, Zach Katz. As always, I'm joined by our quiz master, Ricky Lime. Hello there. Hey. This is our last podcast of 2019. Let's drink. (laughs) Happy New Year. Yeah. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Um, Do you? They're like the ones that I have every year that I fail at every year. So let's get on to the anagram. Ugh. Also, just a heads up that we will be revealing the answers for the December visual round at the end of this episode. All right. It's time to get to our bonus anagram of the week. This will be due at the end of our program after we reveal the answers to round five, so you'll have plenty of time to work on it. Our bonus anagram of the week is Tot Drawers, T-O-T-D-R-A-W-E-R-S. And the question or clue that goes along with this anagram is, what pop star's ninth album is titled Blondes Have More Fun? Moving on to round one. So round number one is called Midnight Madness, and it is a general knowledge round that features answers that include either the word 12 or the word midnight, going along with our New Year's theme. Question number one. What 1973 number one hit soul song performed by Gladys Knight and the Pips opens with the line, L.A. proved too much for the man? Question number two, what famous film was released and adapted for the stage in the 1950s and features a plot concerning the jury deliberations during a homicide trial where the group of jurors decides the fate of a Puerto Rican teenager accused of murdering his abusive father? Question number three, what is the name of the color that officially became a Crayola crayon color in 1958? Question number four, what 1969 Academy Award winning film featured a scene where Dustin Hoffman's character Rizzo says, Frankly, you're beginning to smell, and for a stud in New York, that's a handicap. Question number five. American rapper Eminem was once a member of the Detroit-based hip-hop group called what? Question number six, 
What spooky 1942 horror film starred Bella Lugosi, who plays a man working as a psychology professor by day, running a soup kitchen by night? The movie title anagrams to be Windbag Hermit Toy. W-I-N-D-B-A-G-H-E-R-M-I-T-T-O-Y. Question number seven. What is the title of the nonfiction book published in 1994 by John Berendt that holds a record for the longest-selling New York Times bestseller at 216 weeks? Question number eight. What neo-noir sci-fi mystery film was directed by Terry Gilliam and earned Brad Pitt a Golden Globe Award for his performance in 1995. We're going to give you about 15 seconds of music to wrap up your answers before we move on to the answers. Here are the answers for round one, Midnight Madness. Question number one, the 1973 hit song performed by Gladys Knight and the Pips was Midnight Train to Georgia. And just a little fun fact, the song was originally written and performed under the title Midnight Plane to Houston. Huh, it's different. Yeah, it's a different means of transportation and a different destination. I'm going to do a remix that's like Midnight Moped to Miami. (laughs) Ooh. You like it? Yeah. Midnight Hoverboard to Hawaii. (laughs) Sounds dangerous. Good luck. Good luck with that mission. (laughs) Question number two. The famous film and play featuring a plot surrounding a deliberating jury is 12 Angry Men. Question number three. The name of the Crayola crayon color that was introduced in 1958 is Midnight Blue. Question number four, the Academy Award-winning film that featured a scene with the lines, frankly, you're beginning to smell, and for a stud in New York, that's a handicap, is Midnight Cowboy. So I love this movie. It's so good. I also love the Harry Nilsson song that's featured in this movie called Everybody's Talking. Do you know the one? No. I don't know why I like it, but I really like it. I'll play you a snippet. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words they're saying. Question number five. Eminem's former Detroit-based hip-hop group is called D12. Which is an initialism for Dirty Dozen. Oh. Question number six. The 1942 horror film starring Bela Lugosi that has a title that anagrams to Windbag Hermit Toy is Bowery at Midnight. So as a goth, I appreciate Bela Lugosi's work, but I do think it's kind of funny and ironic that there's a 
horror film that features a soup kitchen subplot. <laughs> Giving back. Question number seven. The title of the nonfiction book that holds the record for the longest standing New York Times bestseller is Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Question number eight. The neo-noir sci-fi mystery that earned Brad Pitt a Golden Globe Award for his performance is 12 Monkeys. Moving on to round two. So round two is our audio round. This one is called Ball Drops, and it is a New Year's Eve party-inspired music round featuring songs to drop your balls to. Goodbye. Good times. So you'll get a half point for artist and a half point for song title. One. It's time to come together. It's up to you. What's your pleasure? Everyone around the world. Come on! It's a celebration.
seven. the answers for round two, ball drops. Song number one was Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Song number two was It's My Party by Leslie Gore. Song number three was Raise Your Glass by Pink. Song number four was 1999 by Prince and the Revolution. We'll also accept Prince. Song number five was New Year's Day by U2. Song number six was Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. Song number seven was I Held a Party by the Bee Gees. Song number eight was Cheers, Drink to That by Rihanna. We'll also accept Cheers. I don't think I actually realized that Eddie Murphy sang Party All the Time. What? Really? Yeah. Huh. I don't think I've been to a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah that didn't play Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Yeah, or a wedding. Feels like standard fare. Moving on to round three. So going with our New Year's Eve theme and breaking format a little bit, this round three is called Pick Your Poison, and it is a round on liquor. Cheers. Liquor? I hardly know her. I feel like you'll do really well at this round. Stop. Question number one. What is the difference between a classic martini and a Gibson martini? Question number two. In a Long Island iced tea, 
Which of the following is not an ingredient? Vodka, whiskey, tequila, gin, or rum? Question number three. In the Coen Brothers cult classic comedy, The Big Lebowski, what cocktail did the dude drink nine of over the course of the movie and refer to as a Caucasian? Question number four. What is the green-tinted, highly alcoholic beverage derived from herbs, including wormwood, that originated in Switzerland in the 18th century? This spirit has been said to have psychoactive and hallucinogenic properties and effects. Question number five. What spirit was the subject and title of the 1957 hit song by the Champs? This song was featured in the 1985 movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure, where Pee-wee wins over a crowd in a biker bar by doing an iconic dance to this song. Question number six. What country is the birthplace of the mojito? Question 7. Sounding like something straight from a bar menu on the Titanic, what was the name of the cocktail that notably appeared in the Hemingway classic novel The Sun Also Rises? This cocktail is rumored to have also been a favorite of President Lincoln as well as John Steinbeck. Question number eight. What are the two main ingredients in the Cuba Libra? We're going to give you a few seconds of music to wrap up your answers before we move on to the answers. Here are the answers for round three, pick your poison. Question number one. The difference between a classic martini and a Gibson martini is, the Gibson is garnished with cocktail onions, whereas the classic martini is garnished with green olives. Both sound nasty to me and a total waste of vodka. Personal opinion. So gross. Question number two. The Long Island iced tea ingredient that is not traditionally in the mix is whiskey. I used to drink Long Island iced teas all the time like they were nothing. I think that's the, that's the trick about the Long Island iced tea is it's got all those different alcohols in it, but it doesn't taste like it. No, it tastes delicious, but I just think I'd be laid out for two days if I drank it now. You know, my first ever alcoholic beverage was a Long Island iced tea. No, stop. 
Yeah, just because you're East Coast boy. Like a true Long Islander. How did it go down? It was fine. Wasn't so great coming up. Hey, you. Question number three. In The Big Lebowski, the dude drinks nine white Russians. This also sounds nasty to me. I don't like a mix of dairy and liquor. It's kind of curdly. I don't think it is. My grandpa used to drink one like every night. That was like his drink. That doesn't mean it's not curdled. But I'm saying it never looked curdled. It just looks... Nasty. Milky. (laughs) (laughs) Question number four. The green-tinted, highly alcoholic beverage, said to have psychoactive and hallucinogenic properties and effects, is absinthe. This is not nasty, and I'm a big fan. (laughs) Shocked. It's so good, but I also really like licorice. I like Jaeger, too. No, stop. It's yummy. I'd rather be absent. (laughs) Question number five. The spirit that was the subject and title of the 1957 hit song by the Champs that was featured in the 1985 movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure is Tequila. Tequila. (laughs) I love that movie so much. You know, Elvira's in it, in the biker bar. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Question number six. The country that is the birthplace of the mojito is Cuba. I prefer a vojito, which I might have invented, but it's just a mojito with vodka instead of rum. Oh. It's delicious. I've only been to Florida once for a friend's wedding. I was a little skeptical that it would be my jam, but I loved it, and I drank 42 vojitos on the white sands of South Beach in three days' time. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. And live to tell the tale. It's going to be on my epitaph. It's so good. Oh, my God. I loved it. And I bought my first pair of flip-flops. I think I was 25. Your first pair of flip-flops at 25? I grew up in Oregon. Doesn't Isn't there summer? Mm, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Question number seven. The Titanic-sounding cocktail that appears in the Hemingway classic novel, The Sun Also Rises, and is a favorite of several notable dudes of the past, is a Jack Rose. Question number eight. The two main ingredients in a Cuba Libre are rum and coke. Moving on to round four. Round number four is called Game Night, and it is a round on board games. So we will describe the objective in gameplay, and you guess the name of the board game. They're all pretty classic, some newer, some older. This is exciting. Love board games. Question number one. A strategy board game of diplomacy, conflict, and conquest for two to six players. The goal of this game is to occupy every territory on the board and in doing so, eliminate the other players. Question number two. The object is to be the first player to get all four of their colored pawns from their start space around the board to their home space. The pawns are normally moved in a clockwise direction, but can be moved backwards if directed. Question number three. Gameplay involves arranging one's tiles into a grid of connected words faster than one's opponents. 
The object of the game is to be the first to complete a word grid after the pool of tiles has been exhausted. Question number four. The object of the game is to get all of your marbles to the opposite point of the star. Question number five. The object of the game is to guess a secret code consisting of a series of four colored pegs. Each guess results in feedback narrowing down the possibilities of the code. The winner is the player who solves his opponent's secret code with fewer guesses. Question number six. This game simulates a person's travels and experiences from college to retirement with jobs, marriage, and possible children along the way. The object is to collect money and tiles, earning the highest dollar amount at the end of the game. Question number seven. The object of the game is to move all 15 of your checkers around the board into your home board and then bear them off. Question number eight. The goal of this adult game is to pair the answer and question cards in the funniest, most provocative, or cleverest way you can. The rules do not state how to win the game, the object being simply to have fun. Here's a little bit of music to wrap up your answers before we move on to the answers. Here are the answers for round four, game night. Question number one. The strategy board game of diplomacy, conflict, and conquest with the goal to occupy territories and eliminate other players is risk. Question number two. The game that involves marching your colored pawns from their start space to their home space while unapologetic hijinks ensues is sorry. Question number three. The word game that involves arranging tiles into a grid of connected words faster than the other opponents is Bananagrams. This is my game. You love this game. You're so good at it. I hate it. This game and Boggle, watch out. When I play Bananagrams, here's a little snapshot of what you'll experience. Peel, 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 peel. So annoying. Peel, peel, bananas. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> my love for anagrams and crossword puzzles just kicks in. Question number four. The ancient game where the object is to get all of your marbles to the opposite point of the star is Chinese checkers. I played that a lot as a kid, but I haven't played it in the last, like, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, either. it's like a camp game. I feel yeah. like I wouldn't see it at camp all the time. 
Question number five. The code guessing game consisting of a series of four colored pegs is Mastermind. This game is so stressful. I hated it. Question number six. The game that simulates a person's travels and experiences while trying to collect as much money as possible is the game of life. Life's hard enough. When I play games, I want to escape life. Right. But it is nice. It's fun because you can actually enjoy having a car and kids and a house and money. It's totally not like real life. Question number seven. The game consisting of moving 15 of your checkers around the board into your home board and bearing them off is backgammon. So I know this is really old school, but I love backgammon. I haven't played it in forever. I don't even remember how well, to really learn play. how and then play backgammon with me with my cool vintage set that I got for $3. <laughs> sure. It's going to be amazing. Deal. When I lose the game of life, I'll play backgammon with you. <laughs> I'm losing the game of life on a daily basis, and I still have time for backgammon. Question number eight. The adult game that involves pairing answer and question cards in the funniest or cleverest ways is Cards Against Humanity. Moving on to round five. As always, round five is our connection round. It is a series of seven seemingly unrelated questions and answers that are somehow connected. So the answer to question eight will be the connection. Question number one, what 1985 drama film did William Hurt receive an Academy Award for Best Actor for his portrayal of the character Luis Molina? Question number two, who was the German-born 56th U.S. Secretary of State who served under the administrations of Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford? Question number three, what award was given to Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson for four consecutive years at MTV's Movie Awards between 2009 and 2012? Question number four, what is the commonly used nickname for mononucleosis, the infectious disease popular among teens? Question number five, what is the movie title of the 2001 film starring Zach Braff and Rachel Bilson that was a remake of an Italian comedy drama titled La Ultimo Baccio? Question number six, what was the song title of Katy Perry's first single to reach number one on the Billboard charts? Question number seven. In the Shakespeare classic, Romeo and Juliet, what was Romeo's final sentence before he took his own life? And as a hint, the first word of this sentence is thus. It's connection time. And question number eight is the connection between the answers for questions one through seven. And as a reminder, the bonus anagram will be due at the end of this round. We're going to give you some time to wrap up your answers and then move on to the answers.
And here are the answers for round five, our connection round. Question number one. The 1985 film that William Hurt received an Academy Award for Best Actor was The Kiss of the Spider Woman. Question number two. The German-born 56th U.S. Secretary of State was Henry Kissinger. Question number three. The MTV Movie Award that was given to Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson for four consecutive years was the Best Kiss Award. They were a pretty hot item, but I am glad that he moved on to FK Twigs and glad that she moved on to women. <laughs> Question number four. The commonly used nickname for mononucleosis is the kissing disease. Gross. That one's pretty gnarly because people get sick for like months. Question number five. The movie title of the 2001 film starring Zach Braff and Rachel Bilson that was a remake of an Italian film is The Last Kiss. Question number six. The song title of Katy Perry's first single to reach number one on the charts is I Kissed a Girl. And I liked it. Yeah. Have you ever kissed a girl? No. I had a girlfriend and we held hands. I held hands with a girl and I liked it. I didn't, didn't like I it. I didn't like it. I had a friend that covered this song and she sang I Kissed a Squirrel. And I liked it better. So now every time I hear it, I can't help but sing I Kissed a Squirrel and I liked it. The taste of her rabies. <laughs> the taste of her acorn chapstick. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Question number seven, Romeo's final sentence before he took his own life in the Shakespeare classic Romeo and Juliet was thus, with a kiss, I die. I was obsessed with that uh, remake with Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio when I was in high school. Great soundtrack, though. I never saw it. Ugh, stop. And question number eight is the connection between the answers for questions one through seven. And we had answers like the last kiss, the kissing disease, the Best Kiss Award, Henry Kissinger, The Kiss of the Spider Woman, I Kissed a Girl. You did? I did not. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and the connection, of course, is kissing. Which goes with our New Year's Eve theme. At the stroke of midnight. At the stroke of midnight. Mama's getting Everybody's a kiss. making out. Slurp, slurp, slurp. I'm usually in line for the bathroom. I thought you were going to say I'm usually in line for a kissing booth. No. <laughs> usually there's a line wrapped around the corner for I me. I don't have to pay for these goods. <laughs> <laughs> going back to our bonus anagram of the week, our bonus anagram was tot drawers. Did you like that one? I love that one. I'm wearing my tot drawers right now. And the question or clue for this anagram was, what pop star's ninth album is titled Blondes Have More Fun? And the answer is Rod Stewart. Tot Drawers scrambles up to be Rod Stewart. And if you haven't seen this album cover, Google it because it's hilarious. Ugh, he's looking right at me. He's embracing a dark-haired woman wearing cheetah print and just looking right at the camera with his blonde hair. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, good. He's the blonde. He's having all the fun. And like we mentioned at the top of this episode, we're going to give you the answers to the December visual round right now. So this round was a photo round featuring celebrities that were dressed up as Santa Claus. It was called Ho Ho Hollywood, and each correct guess was worth one point. The answers are photo number one was Hulk Hogan. Ho Ho Hogan. Photo number two was Tyler Perry. 
Photo number three was Lil John. Photo number four was Michelle Monaghan. Photo number five was Dan Aykroyd. Photo number six was Richard Attenborough. Photo number seven was Kurt Russell. And photo number eight was Paul Giamatti. So we'll keep that round up for another week or so, just in case you want to check it out. Thanks for listening to Trivia Time, the podcast quiz show. We hope you enjoyed playing along. Tune in every week for new episodes. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or feedback. Our email is triviatimepodcast at gmail.com. And our website is triviatimepodcast.com. On our website, you can find a printable PDF scoring sheet, which you can use to play along with every episode. We also have links to past episodes, monthly bonus visual rounds, exciting announcements, and more. That wraps up episode 14 of Trivia Time, the podcast quiz show. Thanks for listening and thanks for playing along. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Our background and answer break music for this episode was Canada by Pictures of a Floating World. This has been a Pick and Shovel production recorded in Long Beach, California. Special thanks to Lydia, Justin, and all of our trivia buddies. Until next time. In the Shakespeare classic, Romeo and Juliet, what was Romeo's final sentence before he took his own life? Spoiler. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Y'all ready for this? Yeah. Pump, pump the jams, pump it up.